Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, is TV sci-fi cool again? Has the Avengers movie held up? Xbox in 2018? And what's Australia's number one rapper doing on our show? Find out why, plus a whole lot more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back for another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, and I'm here along with my good friend. He is the man behind Humanica Media, and you got to check out all their great stuff that they've got going on at humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, and so much more. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? Hey, hey, man. Uh, just closing out the week here, man. Just trying to make it from podcast to bed to monday you know it's just <laughs> i hear you man i hear you man it's a struggle indeed it, it always is but uh, we definitely got a great podcast for you here today to help get you through that struggle each and every week whether you're listening at work or you listening on the road we just truly appreciate you taking the time to do so we've got mugsy who is australia's number one rapper he's coming up a little bit later in the program also as well, Rob McCallum in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's standing by as well. So we've got a lot of great stuff to, to throw at you today. But first, I wanted to make a mention about what's going on in TV land because there's been a noticeable shift as far as the type of interest with all these different video formats that are out there. So I want to ask you, Josh, I've noticed recently that the returning series black mirror there's also altered carbon that's coming to netflix next month plus also as well electric dreams from the short stories of noted author philip k dick with all this going on plus also as well what the sci-fi channel is consistently doing putting out shows that you know may or may not meet the public's need as far as that's concerned but there is some high-budgeted, highly-produced shows that are out there now that are touching on the sci-fi genre, including, I didn't even mention CBS All Access's Star Trek Discovery, which I've been keeping tabs on as well. So I ask you, Josh, is it cool to like sci-fi on TV once again? I, I think it, it takes a lot of you know skill and creativity to craft a sci-fi story that keeps people interested. Because I remember back in the... I guess, you know, even 90s, 2000s, they had, you know, they were just pumping out these sci-fi shows and a lot of them were pretty poor quality. Uh, you know, 
granted Doctor Who and Star Trek have kind of stood the test of time, but you had others like Stargate and uh, I think Firefly is one of the most like praised sci-fi shows of all time. But yeah, no, I think that sci-fi is actually putting out some decent stuff now. And like even in movies, we're seeing a reinvigoration of sci-fi films. Uh, it's just unfortunate that, you know, a movie like Blade Runner got snubbed for best picture at the Oscars because it's, you know, it's, it's one of those, uh, I we're just, not letting I, it go. We're, we're just not I letting have, it go here at the pop have, culture cosmos. I have feelings about this, but yeah, no, I think it, it takes a lot of art and creativity to create a sci-fi show people are interested in. And plus like, look what mass effect has done. Not, not obviously not on drama on drama. You know, they've created this story that's incorporated social issues into a fascinating storyline. I think that TV is on the verge of finding something like that. So it'll, you know, it appeals to a wider audience. And like, let me ask you this though. To, I, I'm under the impression that like, cause the CW is just pumping out shows on like, you know, vampires and immortal beings and stuff like that. I think that people are getting burnt out on that stuff. And sci-fi is kind of a, a different avenue for them to go down to get some kind of creative storytelling without, you know, being, having to be depressed after watching a show, you know? Well, I agree with you on that, but I mentioned the sci-fi shows. Yeah, you know, obviously, when you're a network called Sci-Fi, you're going to have a lot of shows that are that are on your network that that obviously cater to that genre. But to me, none of them are of, of a high quality. So I, I kind of just blow them off. I think all in one 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 swoop. I know there's there's a fans of the sci-fi uh, shows, and if you're watching them out there and you respect them and you enjoy them, then I praise you for doing so. It just and ever I see them, I just don't see the, you know, I, I just don't get a hook in with those. But I have gotten a hook in in trying to watch some of the back episodes of Black Mirror on Netflix. So I've been able to take a take a look at that. Some of the episodes are really strong in as far as that anthology series. I also got a chance to watch a couple episodes of Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, and that anthology series. Those episodes are not quite as as giving me the hook on those as, as some of the Black Mirror episodes have in both season three and season four. Plus, I also got the chance to see the the obviously the the famous ones from season two as well in Black Mirror. But you know, it's nice to see that Amazon is trying to do something formidable against Black Mirror and also as well Altered Carbon, which is coming out next month. So definitely. Uh, it is something that that is interesting, but it's still not quite giving me the hook as far as trying to make me involved and invested 100% in it. But I will say that after waiting a while and, and being on the fence, I have committed to watching some episodes. Uh, in fact, I've, I've committed to watching up to date and getting up to date on Star Trek Discovery. And I find it to be something that after a little bit of a rocky start is actually getting a little bit better over time. And with the Orville also as well being a show that touches on sci-fi. Now, mind you, it's a little bit of a satirical matter, but you know they, they try to keep a little bit of drama as well. It seems like sci-fi is coming back strong on television once again and all the different video formats. So how long will this last? It's going to be up to the viewers out there that's going to be giving it support because when you deal with sci-fi, you're also dealing with a little bit higher budget than normal dramas or comedies or what have you so if it's proving out in the long run to not be as 
I guess as as highly rated as they like, you're going to see sci-fi getting curtailed back probably at, at you know not even in a moment's notice. But for right now, sci-fi looks to be very good on television. But Josh, one last question for you. As far as sci-fi on television, what exactly are you looking for in a sci-fi series, and whether it be a, a continuous episode-by-episode episode series, an episodic one, or an anthology series like we're getting on both ends of it that are, being, that are out and available right now in the marketplace? I'm not big on anthology series. Was it when the Animatrix came out? Like I was excited about that, and then I just couldn't really get into it once I watched it. I, I have to. I like when things connect to each other. I like to have. I'm a huge fan of miniseries. Like I like to have a starting point and a stopping point. So I don't. If it's one of those like sci-fi shows that's going to drag on for twelve seasons, probably wouldn't sit down to watch it. If it's a miniseries, like sci-fi has a lot of miniseries, and those I enjoy. They have a clear starting point, a clear stopping point, and a very and an intriguing character. And you know, I don't know like where. Um, you know, the budget's bigger on these sci-fi pick these new sci-fi shows and people have been telling me to check out shows like the expanse and um you know there's a couple others that i, I can't remember off the top of my head files is back in vogue as well and yeah. also and also rumored at some point in time is a star wars either anthology or episodic series as well that's going to be after star wars rebels leaves uh, you know and it's not going to be an animated it's going to be more like a live action version that's also been rumored to be on the horizon as well. Yeah, I've been hearing about that. I, I don't know what I how I feel about a Star Wars TV show. It depends on what the budget is. If it's, you know, they're going to dumb the quality down for uh, TV, it's probably not something I'd be too keen to watch, but I'm willing to give it a try. Honestly, I just, I love, um, you know, I love stories and video games like Halo. Like if it was something that was com really compelling and had like a, a good score, good acting, a, a, a you know, at least a decent story, it's something that could probably pull me in if it's a, a, a decent sci-fi show. I'm not a huge fan of TV in general, so it would have to be something, you know, something that has a point to it that would get me to watch it, if that makes sense. Definitely does for me as well. So it has to have some type of hook. And there's been some shows and anthology series out there already, like Electric Dreams, which I've watched a couple episodes. And even though they're supposed to be on different paths and different themes, doesn't seem like it. it's something that, that I'm going to stick with. Black Mirror, even though, again, they, they touch on several different types of things within social media, internet, and, and all that. It's still something that I maybe connect with a little bit more. I think some of the episodes are, are a little bit better done, uh, a little bit better made. And, and I just think that series actually, it's because it's been out a little bit longer, Maybe the fact that it, it's just got more involved and, and it's got a, a better universe to draw from. I'm interested to see what Altered Carbon does. I definitely want to check out at least one or two of the episodes there to make sure that's something I, I want to stay with or not. But definitely I think that sci-fi is cool again on TV, especially with Star Trek Discovery, which I think has been a win for CBS All Access. And I definitely think that in the future going forward, we're going to be seeing even more sci-fi on our TV sets going forward. What are your thoughts on the revival of science fiction to the television and video formats? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well.
It's going to be a great episode we've got for you today. Like I said, we've got Muggsy coming on later in the show. He is Australia's number one rapper and hip hop artist in that country. And you got to check out all of his great stuff by just typing in M-U-G-Z-Y on his two great sites where you can grab his music either at SoundCloud or also as well Reverb Nation. Just type in Muggsy and there you go. Also as well, we've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He and I are going to chat about some good stuff in pop culture as well. But first, we've got Chad, a good friend of Mr. Josh right here. He's got a band called Hyperschmidt, and this is After All. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Where you are, oh, I would not change a thing. You are dear, you are flawless. Will you fix my broken wing? On a ledge, can you see what you know you're looking for? I am sure I've forgotten. Once again, I lost my goal. In my problems, I feel small. It's the climb of It's 
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Podcast 42 promo, take one. Do things pop into your head randomly? Yes. Mm. Do you want to learn about stuff that yeah. uh, happened in history, like, but nothing that's important in history? Yes. Do you want to have everybody laugh at everything you say? No. Well, well then become a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> podcast 42 promo, take two. Have you ever wanted a podcast to tell you it loves you? No. <laughs> Nor have we bought Podcast 42. <laughs> Podcast 42 promo, take three. Don't be sad, be glad. We're here at Podcast 42 to entertain you. <laughs> It'll be the brightest hour of your week. We might make you cry, laugh, maybe both at the same time, but we won't make you poop your pants. Podcast 42 promo, take four. Oh, why don't you guys just give it up already? And you can find us on all the stuff that you find other podcasts on, all of it. Also find us in our podcast group, the official Podcast 42 group on Facebook. Facebook, and you can find us on the web at podcast42show.wordpress.com. Come listen to us. We're Podcast 42. Podcast 42 Show. You know the email address. You came you up, came with, up the email with the email address. address. Uh, we are podcast42show at gmail.com. And you couldn't remember that. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thanks again for sticking around and listening to us here on the show. And, well, it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without the man, the myth, the legend from Rob McCallum Films. It's Rob McCallum. What's going hey, on, man? Not much. Good to be back. So... Pray tell, Rob, what's on your mind when it comes to the world of pop culture. I, I never know what you and Josh get going on, right? So I've really got to pick the niche topics. Well, I'll tell you what. This is a niche topic, and it's something that goes back to our earlier gaming days. What do you think about a possible Duke Nukem movie with John Cena possibly being the headline star? Well, uh, many moons ago... Uh, in a film called The Mummy Returns, The Scorpion King, people thought it was ridiculous that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, a wrestler, was going to appear on the big screen. And then he appeared in a movie called Doom. Uh, and I feel like this is of of a parallel kind of path for, for John Cena, where he's appearing in a game that's best known as a first-person shooter with a, with a cult following. Regardless of John Cena, I don't have high hopes for a Duke Nukem film. You could put anybody in that spot, and I, you could put The Rock in that spot now that he's become an international megastar uh, and best known maybe as an actor more than a wrestler at this point. I, and I think that the film probably won't do well, but I, I don't think you should count John Cena out. I've seen some of his acting performances. They're not fantastic. He doesn't have the charm and charisma that The Rock does who can make you believe he can swallow an entire building with one bite and then make you laugh at a punchline the next one. But I, I think he could be an action star in uh, in a society where we really don't have that the machismo, uh, testosterone-fueled action movies like we once had. I think the better career path for John Cena is to put him in a film like Expendables and kind of leverage off those other stars of that ilk uh, and then start to break off into maybe smart movies that don't have the branding tied to it that Duke Nukem has. Like, find a good John Wick-like action film for John Cena, where he doesn't have to talk a lot, but he can really kick some ass. 
Well, I'll say this. Uh, many, many years ago, when the Scorpion King came out, and then also coming off his the, the horrible CGI of The Mummy Returns with him morphed into that half-scorpion-type deal, with, uh, you know, if everybody's seen that out there, but also the Scorpion King movie itself. I said at that time, for Dwayne Johnson to actually become that next big breakout star, he would have to get as comfortable on a film screen as he does when he's doing his promos in a pro wrestling ring. Until he got to that point, he was never going to find any real long sustaining success in that fashion. Well, 15 years later, he is now at that point where he looks and feels very comfortable that he can go in almost like a second skin now that he can go in front of the film cameras and go ahead and, and be naturally well-received and also feel like he he's actually a, a, can be a great actor on screen. John Cena, to me, hasn't done that yet. He hasn't made that transition. He does not still look 100% comfortable, although he's had a couple decent performances in Trainwreck, just to name one. But there's still, I think, a, a period where he has to transition himself away more from the ring and basically commit to himself as a, an actor and also get more comfortable behind a film camera instead of in the ring looking at the strong side of the television camera and and the you know the crowd that's out there but be that as it may him right now fitting into a duke nukem type fold if you're going to make a duke nukem movie you have to film it like you are filming a deadpool movie with the nsfw language and the whole nine yards you have to treat it as an r-rated film in my opinion and I don't think John Cena, with his audience that he still clamors to when he's in the wrestling ring, I really don't see him being able to do that type of performance at this point in time. I think there are other candidates out there that could possibly fill that role a lot better. But you're right. If you give it a, give it a large budget, I don't think a Duke Nukem movie would be very good for uh, box office returns. I just think uh, that there's more pitfalls than potential trophies uh, in that one specifically. Should we officially start the countdown to see how long the streak goes, by the way, until we actually get a first image, let alone a trailer from Solo, a Star Wars story? Well, you know what? Four months, I, four months to go, folks. I, I've said it before in, in episodes in November, December, and January that... I think we I all thought we were going to see something with The Last Jedi. Uh, well, so did I, but I, as soon as that went awry, I feel strongly, and I don't have the force with me, I'm sorry, that it is going to get delayed. It's going to get delayed to December, or you possibly never even see the light of day. Now, mind you, I was kind of you know backtracking on that when Deadpool 2 got moved up a week by Fox, because at this point in time, Fox is still handling its uh studio as if it's going to stay their own until the actual merger takes place but yeah they actually moved it a week up because they were concerned about the solo movie on memorial day weekend well lo and behold we still haven't seen a trailer and i'm still not convinced that 100 percent that it's going to be actually something that comes to fruition on that date i know they sent out a synopsis a few days ago of the movie but that does nothing for me I need to see a trailer with a firm release date, and I don't think we're going to get it 
But I'm hope I'm proven wrong. I hope I, I have egg on my face, and I hope that it does come out Memorial Day weekend. Well, I'm just looking for the the most logical time and place that a trailer might get shown or announced, and I'm thinking, is it going to be D23 in March, where it's two months before, and so that there isn't a huge buildup because they're worried about the backlash from The Last Jedi and how it divided fans, so they're going to make the burn really short this time instead of long. Have you signed the petition, by the way, to get Last Jedi out of the canon yet? No, no. Oh, my goodness. You're one of those Oscar mishandling envelope carriers. Again, again, back with a facetious tone. But hey, I'd like to have that kind of backlash and have a film still do $1.3 billion worldwide at the box office without even doing well at all in the Chinese market. So, you know, that, there, that, there are me, worse fates. There are yeah, worse there, fates. there are worse fates. So, all right. Well, that's all I've got to talk about this week. Uh, I look forward to returning next week, potentially. We never know. The baby is on the way at some point. So I may be here, I may not be here, but if I am, you can expect the most niche, facetious, sarcastic discussions on uh, the corners of the pop culture cosmos, if you will, the Cosmic Crossfire. That's what we do. Well, I'll tell you what, Rob, if you get a chance to come on in an upcoming episode, first of all, my best to uh, you and the family in regards to the newcomer that hopefully will be coming happy and healthy, but also as well, If you're able to jump on in one of our future episodes, I really want to break down some of your thoughts on the Oscar nominees leading into, obviously, Oscars. I know Josh and I are going to cover it as well at some point in time, but I'd like to hear from a directorial standpoint what your thoughts are on some of the candidates, but we'll save that off for another day. But if you have any questions for Rob and the Cosmic Crossfire or for us as well at Pop Culture Cosmos, just feel free to give us a shout out, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Rob McCallum Films, Backed or Busted Crowdfunding, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. And if somebody has a project they want you to look at as far as Backed or Busted Crowdfunding, what's the email again? It's crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com. That's crowdfundingspectacular 99 at gmail.com, all one word. But hey, you can also hit me up on Twitter at Rob McZob, or of course through our Facebook page, facebook.com slash crowdfunding. All right, sounds great indeed. Rob, as always, it's a pleasure having you on the show and look forward to having you on soon again with The Cosmic Crossfire. Do you wake up in the middle of the night with cold sweats thinking about professional wrestling? Have you ever done the Ric Flair strut thinking no one was watching, but they were? Woo! Have you ever been to watch 18 hours of The Ultimate Warrior only to want more? If the answer is yes, then do we have the cure for you? The, the, the Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Roundtable. We talk about the past, present, and future of professional wrestling, brother. We review wrestling movies and even jump in a time machine to review past wrestling events. You can find us on iTunes and www.theprowrestlingroundtable.com. Also on Twitter at Podcast PWR. Also join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash ESO Pro. We, we bring the squared circle, circle to the, to the round, round table. table. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Again, if you have a problem finding our show and you, you caught it just now, 
and you you want to catch the live streaming versions of it, we are on every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. Also as well, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Croc Radio. Check out them on crocradio.com. Also as well, we've got... 9 to 11 p.m. It's a back-to-back episodes of the Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse on Good Talk Radio. And then also the Western Digital Reserve Broadcasting Company. They've got us on on Western Reserve Radio and also as well Live 365, which you can find Good Talk Radio there as well. We are on Western Digital on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific as well. And of course, all these stations you can check out on TuneIn. You can actually type their their names in TuneIn and it comes right up and you can listen from there. Or you can just download our shows as well on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, Podbean, ESO Network, and so many other, in fact, well over a dozen more different podcast outlets. But Josh has got a great thing going on with his format called Humanica Media which you can catch on YouTube, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and so many other outlets as well. Josh, what is coming up this week at your experience known as Humanican Media? All right, so we have a new episode of What About This hitting the airwaves tomorrow. Uh, there's a new topic, Ocalypse, out right now. You can watch the episode. is actually about a story that's been circulating on the internet about a poop knife. So, yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. Then we have a new Super BS hitting the airwaves also tomorrow, where we actually uh, we sat down and played more Numenera, uh, if that you know the first episode of that interested you. And uh, as always, you can catch us on every Tuesday on the Podcast Radio Network. Or just check out Humanic Media on Facebook and you'll get all the info right there. So, Josh, Xbox, we've talked about PlayStation and Nintendo in past weeks as far as their upcoming 2018, at least what we know so far. But Xbox, right now, it's running in third place in the console race right now with with Nintendo doing very, very well, and PlayStation still trying to maintain its its once-glorified status and still trying to do whatever they can to, to keep their foothold in the marketplace. Xbox has always been running a little bit behind. First of all, they were running behind PlayStation. Now they're running behind both PlayStation and Nintendo. But they recently announced that their xbox game pass which they've been running now for the past few months at about ten dollars a month or 120 a year now will include day of release first party xbox games so that means sea of thieves when that comes out this spring that's going to come out not only to retail shelves and be able to download separately and whatnot no problem you're going to be able to get it as part of the Xbox Game Pass in full. So you'll be getting brand new Xbox games straight to the Xbox Game Pass. This is a big win as far as for gamers of the Xbox series, but there's still a lot of work left to do. There's only Crackdown 3, State of Decay 2, we mentioned Sea of Thieves, not much more in the fire as far as exclusive games for the Xbox series. What does the Xbox need to do this year that maybe will help them gain a stronger foothold in the video game marketplace? 
I think that the uh, Xbox Games Pass is kind of a cool thing, but you know, everyone keeps asking if it's going to be one of those things that ends up backfiring on Microsoft because obviously, you know, there's the potential to lose money off of uh, you know being offering games for free. But and then also mention the annual Forza whenever that hits. You know, that that's going to come out sometime in September, most likely. So that would also come day in, first day to the Xbox Game Pass as well. Yeah. So I mean, I. You know, I, after like six months, you would still make your, uh, around around there, you'd probably end up actually paying for the games. But I guess it depends on how much you play. So like if you're just one of those people that plays one or two games a year, the Game Pass wouldn't really mean anything to you because, you know, you're still, uh, I guess where Microsoft sees the profit coming is from like people taking like a month or two off gaming, they're still getting that guaranteed income through the thing. So I guess that's what makes it worth it to them. But as a gamer, um, you know, if you're not a constant game, like if you don't play games constantly, I don't, it's not really much of a benefit, but I think it's an awesome idea. And, uh, you know, I might invest uh, when that becomes solid. But uh, as for the upcoming lineup of Xbox games, I am excited to play Kingdom Come Deliverance. Have you seen the trailers for that? Yes, I have. Yes, I, it's been actually something that's, that's caught my eye and seems to be something that could really be, if done properly, be something that could make a mark for Xbox gamers. Right, yeah, and it, it's, I don't know, it's not often that you get a, uh, an, a role-playing game that is, you know, takes place in this time setting that doesn't feature some kind of, like, magic or, uh, you know, a fantasy world of some kind. Kingdom Come Deliverance just looks like your, you know, your regular brutal medieval storyline. It actually looks like it's fun. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know how I feel about the Crackdown series. I'm just, I'm not hearing enough good things about the development to have me put much faith in it. Sea of Thieves is another one that looks like a lot of fun, but is it going to hit the market that it's hoping to hit, especially with like so many other games of that style out there? You know, don't get me wrong. Like it looks awesome to be able to go out there, get into a pirate ship, customize it. I, I do want to play it, but there's a lot of talk from critics that are saying like, Hey, I don't know. Um, you know, Microsoft is really hoping this game is going to uh, hit with fans, but then, you know, there's so many other games. I, what does this game offer? Um, you know, that, to do with your your community of friends that like PUBG or Fortnite doesn't offer. You know, it is something that it is sort of like a social community gathering uh, type of game where you could go out to, with some friends and, and go out and actually, you know, sail the ocean seas. So if you're into that type of deal, maybe, maybe it will work. I, I'm just glad to see Rare come back with a game that they've been able to have a lot of time working on, which is a major, I'll, I'll say it, it's, I think it's probably as close to AAA as you're going to get, release for the Xbox system this year. It is one of the marquee releases for them from an Xbox exclusivity standpoint. So I definitely think that it, it's just nice to see Rare being treated like they once were when they were on top of this industry in the 90s it, with, you know, obviously GoldenEye. And so it, it's just nice to see them back up and, and being mentioned as a top game studio once again, especially if this hits big. Yeah, and the big thing that I'm hearing that fans are looking forward to about is that, like, you can play with people on PC. And that's something that, you know, puts Microsoft ahead of Sony and almost that category but yeah no i'm excited to play it i hope that it's good i would like to see rare have more games come out but you know it, it's just one of those things can it 
garner the goodwill of gamers. Yeah, there aren't a lot of exclusives. So, I mean, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is a uh, exclusive, but Microsoft really doesn't have anything. And a lot of the stuff that they're advertising is meant to, like, they're advertising it in a way that shows it's meant to be optimized by an Xbox One X. So if you're not willing to upgrade to that, you're not going to be able to play the game. The game's not going to look the same to you. But I'm still holding out for some kind of, like, Halo to come out around the holidays because it's been three years now since Halo 5 was released, right? So that's something that could definitely get people back into Microsoft, but... You know, if you have a if you have a PlayStation or you know you have a Switch, there's not really anything that Microsoft is offering, with the exception of Forza. I would like to see some good things, and they're talking about like that. What's that Deep Rock Galactic game? I know Microsoft was talking about that at E3, but it doesn't really look that exciting to me. But it is kind of concerning when you don't have that many exclusives to lean on. But it's nice to see them taking a step in the right direction with the Xbox One Game Pass and those exclusives, however few they are that are coming to the system in the near future, will at least give people a chance to go ahead and at least play them at a valued price. And that definitely is something great for everyone's pocketbooks if they go ahead and they decide to sign up for the Xbox One Game Pass. What are your thoughts on Xbox this year in 2018? Do you think they're going to have a great year? It's going to be very strong with Crackdown 3, Sea of Thieves, the next Forza, or, or whatever the Xbox is going to be bringing out, State of Decay 2. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, when we come back, he is the number one Australian rap artist and hip-hop artist he is mugsy and he's going to be joining us next this is the pop culture cosmos if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. That was a long time ago, a long time ago, a long time ago, way before. That was a long time ago, a long time ago, a long time ago. Just let it go. And we're back, and yes, you were just hearing the great sounds from one of his great tracks that he's got available today on Reverb Nation and also as well SoundCloud. He is Australian's number one hip-hop artist and and also a, a just a great great mind when it comes to the rap scene in australia it's mugsy how are you today 
Hey, what's good, man? Thanks for having me on the show, and it's a pleasure. It's but uh, I will say this. It's just great having you aboard the Pop Culture Cosmos right now. I've checked out all of your music since you uh, actually had a chance to reach out to me. And, and I'll tell you what, you've got a lot of great stuff going on. And I know you've got something coming down the pike very soon this year from what I've read as well. Tell me a little bit about you, you know, just wanting to become the, the leader in, in Australian hip hop and rap and, and your influences. Because, I, you know, I know you were letting me know that, that you had a lot of great influences from the 90s when most critics, music pundits think that the rap and hip hop scene really came about. I'm 27 at the moment. Uh, I turned it on January 22nd, actually, uh, which was that like last week. I started hip hop music, man, when I was 14 years old. So like that was probably uh, early thousands kind of era, man. So I've been in this game for about 13 years. And yeah, man, like, like back in high school, uh, like I said, my bio, I had to fight through my adolescent years, man, because I used to like get, you know, punked and bullied a lot and, and that kind of thing from being the shy kid. And I think that's around the time D12, G Unit, and Eminem were like just skyrocketing, like Dre brought him in. And when I first heard M's music, man, it's just the raw aggression in his, in his lyrics and, and his, you know, persona and stuff, it kind of gave me a voice like to fight back but also that hip-hop i reckon i always say that you know the the 90s and the early thousands were the best era of marketing the genre because it was just literally everywhere it was on music mtv bet movies video games just everywhere i think it was just a skyrocketing time for it and it was just this genre of music which was just so expressive and, and like you know uh, of a way of just I just knew like it was this kind of life form of just bettering myself and like and not being that shy kid anymore. And then uh, I started dropping down rhymes, but I knew if I wanted to progress as an artist, I'd have to do full pledged songs. Then I released my first album and everyone, you know, listened to it and they thought, man, like this guy's doing rap now. It was kind of like a little local celebrity buzz. And then after that, I knew for a fact I, I couldn't put the pen down and, Hey man, it's it's led me to a lot of achievements over the years, and um, yeah, I've kind of put my, myself as like the hip hop kiddo on the map from my my suburb, man. So, like, I don't know where I would be without hip hop, man. If it, if it didn't come into my life, like, yeah, I don't know where I would have ended up. Well, I definitely agree with you. Uh, when I first got into hip hop and rap, it was the late '80s, early '90s. That's when a uh, uh, LL Cool J just started to get really uh, well known. Uh, Public Enemy was just starting out as well. But it, like you, like you said, the the mid to late '90s is really when it started to take off. Obviously, with Biggie, Tupac, and of course Eminem who's back on the charts these days with his duet with Ed Sheeran. Like you said, he was a big influence in your life and in your music. How do you compare the current Eminem to the Eminem that you grew up with? Honestly, man, like, uh, you know, they, they always say that M, like, what was his nickname? Like the, the Elvis of hip hop. Like, obviously we had white artists before, him, like you know mc search from third base the beastie boys like uh even the likes of vanilla ice man well um, beastie boys in my opinion actually is more about the sound and the music and eminem to me is more about the words if i, I that's probably the way i would say it but i know other people have other opinions as well on that 
Yeah. So like, yeah, to answer your question, man, like I love his more maturity now, like his rhyming techniques and, and um, his tone, because when he was like Sim Shea, it was very high pitched and very comedic and, and, um, and twisted kind of, kind of mindset. But I realized he had more catchier stuff and more hit singles back then. Like the beats were on point. Uh, the concept was on point. I feel like now, I don't know. It's just so something, something's missing. Like I listened to his new album, man, and I felt like the beats were just all over the place, man. It was just, it wasn't a smooth sailing album. Um, it'd be like he'd be doing like a slow kind of concept beat and just be rhyming heaps fast on it just to get his message across. And I feel like, man, he will always live and breathe hip hop. But I feel like that. Uh, like your, your time's kind of up it's just like whatever album you bring out it's not going to be as good as like your Marshall Mathers LP1 and that kind of thing so uh yeah uh, I, I don't know I kind of like old M like he he's beat play and he and he's wordplay but I like his maturity now so if you like put those together I don't know you'd have the perfect M well it yeah. sounds like it sounds like his time off and this happens to a lot of artists when you take that time off and you try to come back and excel at that same level. Sometimes it's really hard to get back and achieve that same level of greatness. You are, are someone that has achieved greatness in your own country. But I wanted to ask you before we go into a little bit of pop culture stuff, what steps are you taking that, that you think are really going to make a big impact overseas and abroad outside of the Australian market, which you already dominate, like let's say Europe, Japan, Asia, of course, North America here with Canada and the United States and, and so many other countries that do love hip hop as well. How are you trying to make the effort to that you think in your mind will reach those audiences and reach those audiences well in 2018 and beyond? It honestly just comes down to uh, respect and, and opportunity, man. Like I, I realized that, okay, I, I've said this multiple times that, here in Australia, we love the hip hop culture. Whatever new comes about it, we, we just eat it up. We just want to like, you know, just attach ourselves to it. And there's so many rappers here that do it, like write down rhymes or do open mic gigs. But there's like, there's so much criticism behind the crap. Like there, there's this quote unquote of trying to make it sound Australian and like, you know, just to its roots kind of thing. Like I, if you kind of put a bit of differency to it, like, like, you know, USA or UK or like just try and trying to make it native to your country. Yeah. It's more like, for example, Iggy Azalea, right. When a lot of Australians like look, look at her, when she's putting on the, the fake accent and stuff, it's kind of disrespecting our country of what hip hop here is in Australia. But it, it all comes down to, your per persona it's like if you wear like a baseball cap here or something it's like oh you're clearly being american it's like or if you're not rapping about having beers with your mates you're rapping it american it's so weird man it's like they've crammed this hole into like you got to sound literally like crocodile dundee style just to be authenticity australian hip-hop and that's like and if you step one foot out and it's like hey why don't we maybe do like a, a raw 90s you know new york star kind of beat they'll just be like no nah, we're, we're not we're not rolling with you kind of thing you know and i feel like that's why australia are, is not boosting its culture that the way that like uk or the usa or other countries are because there's so many cr critiques in here just like can't open their doors to like more 
elements to the craft. Probably rambling on a bit, man. It's just what I kind of see. No, no, I understand. Um, I understand what you're saying. I, I really do because it sounds like that that marketplace is trying to pigeonhole you in, into wrapping it and and you know utilizing your songs in a certain fashion that's that's acceptable to maybe that that audience only. But it's amazing to me that you know obviously you and I and especially you know you could probably rattle off dozens and dozens of songs that were made here in North America, even the UK, that just make specific references to cities, states, streets, areas, but yet that's still been able to branch out and become well-known all over the world. I'm hoping that you can still blend in some of the Australian knowledge to the world, but still be able to have that song that transcends through actually all the countries out there that just love hip hop. Yeah, exactly right, man. That's ex exactly the nutshell I was trying, trying, trying to paint. It's just um, you had a better word said than I did. Yeah, like when you said, um, how do you get the the exposure to like worldwide and, and be like more known and that kind of thing? I think it, yeah, it just comes down to respect, man. Like I feel like uh, there's a lot of artists in my positions that have an alternate ego of just like I should be better or I should be on better opportunities or or you know better like more labels or this kind of thing and to me it makes them a lot arrogant and, and they don't want to like do like for example i see a lot of people reach out to them and they look the other way because it's like oh if you don't have this much following or this crew why why should why should i be the one to roll with you and i've I, like when i started off i'd hand out my demo and that kind of thing and i'd just be like hey i'm starting off and they're like mugsy we've never heard of you like like why 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 were we you know like roll, roll with you kind of thing and knowing that I've more developed as an artist, when someone reaches out to me, I take the time of day and it doesn't matter what their fan base is, how long they've been doing it for or or whatever. If they, they take the time to reach out to me or want to network on that, I, I you know, it all comes under opportunity and networking, man, because any exposure to me is great exposure. And, you know, they could shoot off one day and remember me, you know, in the past. You never know. Yeah, like I, I don't have an ego, man. I just like I just whoever wants to network and stuff for me, man. I, I network with them. So yeah, that's how I look at it. Well, there's two more questions I have for you. You know, it's pop culture because you're on the pop culture cosmos and the PCC multiverse with us here. I want to ask, how uh, has pop culture also influenced your songs, and do you take certain parts of it? within your songs is there certain preferences you have i know you mentioned superheroes and star wars of course do you take some of those pop culture influences and actually implement it into your music the the song with superheroes man i felt like the the way that i wrote that was kind of like a metaphor like it wasn't basically just about the the, the concept of superheroes it was more about when i look at these rappers you know like m&ms and and that kind of thing that like or like Tupac, like they're iconic. They're like superheroes in a way because they have that voice, that message to do incredible things and change the world and leave impactful things on, on people's lives. Like, for example, like Superman, he's got his, he, he, like if you've seen the Man of Steel movies, he's, he's like a god and, and people just like march for him and like look up to him and, you know, when, when he dies, like they're just like a wreck. That was like what Tupac was. He was like a god to the hip-hop community and I feel like, when we have a message through through hip hop and lyrics, we're kind of like superheroes in a way, giving back to you know society and the communities. That's how powerful the culture is. But with, with my creativity and stuff, um, 
it's cra it's crazy like so I, it, it wouldn't even just be superheroes or some it could be just any movie or any video game or that or like that kind of thing it would have this little this little snippet in like maybe like the background or something or like you know the main trailer or or a scene in a movie and i'll be like what is that guitar riff i, I like i could just visualize making a song to that and it's just search for hours trying to look it up and this kind of thing and you can never find it and you, you pull your hair out and that kind of thing or you would look at like my, my favorite you know batman villain will always be the joke i'll look at him and i'll be like why don't i make like a, a, you know a psychotic track about him like you know something that's going on in the world about that but twist it you know that kind of thing i don't know it's just it's crazy man the, the world how my mind thinks maybe i'm like Heath Ledger in a way, you know, just go for it. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. too funny. And I can sense also as well some excellent talent, some some great love for the art. If you get a chance, again, you got to check out all of his music. But before we head on out, I got one last question for you. Why should people go ahead all over the world that's going to be listened to us, uh, you know, whether it's on one of our internet stations, whether it's on the podcast radio network, Croc Radio, or any one of the other great networks that we have why should people go ahead and go out of their way to go and check out all the great work that you have on reverb nation and also as well on soundcloud i'll keep it nice and simple man because i wake up hip-hop i go to sleep hip-hop i dream about hip-hop because i am hip-hop nice and simple man if you if you love hip-hop man just come to my page man and, and I'll just take you into a time zone of just the 90s, the thousands, and the now, man, and we'll chop it up that way. So, yeah, everyone get on board. That's awesome indeed. Once again, this is Muggsy. First of all, you can check out his great Facebook page by just typing in M-U-G-Z-Y. He is Australia's number one hip-hop and rap artist. Again, you got to check out his music on his channel, the Muggsy channel, on SoundCloud and Reverb Nation. Muggsy, it's been great having you on the show today. And I'll tell you what, you're welcome back anytime you want to plug anything as far as your upcoming albums. Because I know you said you've got one in the pike down the way this year. Is that correct? That's right, man. I'm working on it at the moment. It's going to be a two disc. That's all I can give you know the viewers and that. And it's going to be more better than the first and the second album. It's going to be just insane. You know, the dark side coming back. Well, I wish you infinite success with that double album also as well everything going on in your life any touring or anything else as well uh, you're on twitter as well correct yeah man yeah i'm on twitter mugsy187 on twitter yeah so that's my handle uh, you can find me there but yeah like you said man uh best platform is my facebook just hit me up with a message and all that jazz man and i'll get back to you asap once again, it is Muggsy. You can give him a follow on Facebook. He is Australia's number one hip-hop artist. If you get a chance, you got to check out his music again on the Muggsy channels on ReverbNation.com and also SoundCloud.com. Muggsy, it's been great having you on the show today and being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, Head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thanks again for sticking out with us the entire show. We truly appreciate it. 
Want to thank Rob McCallum, as always, for being in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire, and also as well, Muggsy, for him coming on the show. Before we head on out, in our continuing series, when it comes to taking a look at all the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as we head into Black Panther on the 16th of February, and also May 4th, the Avengers Infinity War, we're up to the original Avengers movie back in 2012. To me, it was just like Loki and some Shintari hanging out, but it really didn't feel like it was that large of a scale as compared to what we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe since, and even Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Thor Ragnarok. And what we've got coming up in Infinity War, it seems like the stakes was not quite as large as what it should have been kind of seems small scale by comparison do you feel like the same way do you think it's held up strong or or do you think it you know it's just kind of aged a little bit uh, yeah it's aged a little bit but you know i look at it this way it's sort of a setup movie and it's also like the the axis on which the marvel cinematic universe turns i know i feel the same way about like the harry potter films it's like the you know, you have these dark wizards walking around everywhere, flying through the sky and stuff, and it only, like, affects one suburb of London. But, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where it, everything seemed to be, like, isolated to New York or one place. You didn't really feel like the world was in danger or anything. It's like Loki only wanted Manhattan, and, you know, in which case, whatever. <laughs> Here, just have Manhattan. Yeah, just, you can just, have it. Uh, just have it. It's sure an New island, Yorker, you know. I'm sure New Yorkers just like the sound of that. Yeah, uh, we're, just, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. We're just kidding. But I, I will say this: it's not something that I take seriously as I once did. I think it is a nice popcorn flick, and I think it moves well because the character interaction, and I think that's what still makes the movie stick, is that character interaction between Loki and all the Avengers, but also the Avengers themselves interacting with each other. What are your thoughts on the original Avengers movie? Is it something that that you still go out of your way to see, or is it something that you watched it and you've moved on and not even having a desire to to take a look at it again? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com, also as well, Humanica Media, Game Source, and PopCultureCosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. You got any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, actually, today I went to go see... 12 strong and you know it was a decent january release it was i i went into it not really knowing anything about it i knew what the story was but i hadn't watched any trailers read anything i knew that uh millennial bloggers were upset that it was too like quote unquote manly but uh, it was a decent flick to me like it was a typical jerry bruckheimer movie you know for a january movie it wasn't wasn't that bad it's good to see that 12 Strong is meeting your expectations as far as a decent film. Not quite the level of last year's January. I still thought that was a, a pretty solid outing for a lot of films there in January. But when it comes to January, you got to talk about the success of Jumanji. Well over $800 million worldwide. A big, big success for Sony and one of their highest grossing films of all time. And it's good to see The Rock, again, reaffirming his place as one of the top box office draws out there. So if you get a chance, check it out. Jumanji is a nice popcorn flick, but also 12 Strong, recommended by Josh as a very solid January movie. 
So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Listen close, says a rob from the stages. Muxie's kicking some old school things back from the ages. Where people have their wise words come clear. They seem to bully you when you turn your back into fear. And you're growing up with nothing that you can't do. They turn their backs and chuck you in the SSU. That was a long time ago. Because they can't understand that that was a different sight A chance to fight for me in hell To make me a rap story I had to tell It's like a curse that just happened to me And all my life I'm doing good And all I get is this, come on That was a long time ago And now I can't escape Always reliving the horror Like a videotape And then playing it straight All the way through Then the people come on Point the finger at you They say you'll never leave This is who you are And we will bury you So you're closer to dark But all I gotta do Is just forget their ways That was a long time ago In these rhymes I say That was a long time ago Welcome to another episode of Bacter Busted. I'm your host, Rob McCallum, a.k.a. Rob McZob on Twitter. And remember, if you want me to highlight your project or you need some help setting up your project to be truly amazing, hit me up at crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash crowdfunding, or on Twitter at Rob McZob. Today, we are going to look at a Kickstarter project 
that is a little bit interesting. It's called The Commodore Story, and it's for a Blu-ray, DVD, and nostalgic top trump card. So let's head over to Kickstarter right now and see what this is all about. So here we are on Kickstarter, and most of the projects that I do on Backed or Busted, I just jump to the campaign and look at everything fresh, never really scouting things out. Uh, and we go through them moment by moment and section by section to really see uh, what makes them work and what doesn't make them work. This one was a bit of an exception. This one was pointed out to me by one of our uh, viewers. I said, you know, why don't you take a look at this one and see what your thoughts are? And I got to say, I looked at it and then it was something was strange about it. It was strange because it seemed very familiar. And that's because it was the second campaign for the same thing. But this is more just for a pre-order. As you can see, it says the Commodore story of the PET Vic 20 C64 C126 and Amiga pre-order on Blu-ray DVD plus get retro nostalgic Commodore top trump card. So this is a pre-order for the documentary, I believe. And that's basically uh, what I was able to discover once I went through the campaign very, very briefly. I haven't read anything in depth. I just tried to make a little bit more sense of it. Uh, I did find some links and we're going to dig a little maybe a bit deeper on this one just to truly vet what is going on here. So as always, let's take a look at the video. You can see here this is not a project that Kickstarter has decided that they loved. It's not one of their staff picks. Um, and for whatever reason, that's just the case. Now, if you look over here, they were looking for 3,000 British sterling pounds or at 2,400. So that's about 80% or so, if my math is right. Uh, in American dollars, it's 3,500 of 42.54. Let's take a look at the video uh, for the Commodore story uh, in this iteration, at least. 500 plus people here in Germany. actually went on to become the first million-seller home computer. Because that was a billion-dollar company. A lot of things that were going wrong at, at, all at the same time. You've sort of gotten along thinking that every problem is solved by technology, and it's certainly not. I was burnt. I was just fried. I had used a lot of me up in a very short period of time. The Jack attack. If he thought you were giving him nonsense, he would let you know. <laughs> I thought about cutting my hair before that, because I had long hair at the time. It's like, you know, I think I'm just going to go down and see if they accept me as I am, and they did. We were able to create a machine that was low cost, so very powerful, took the industry by storm, for the longest time was the video editing platform of the world. It speaks of childhood, but it speaks of something more. It speaks of a kind of uplifting, joyous celebration. Safety is warmth, and above all, it's fun. You've invented something that changed my life. Let's get rid of these Macintoshes and these PCs and, and iPads and all that. Let's go back to the roots of Amiga. And they can look back and say, oh, I had one of those, or I wanted something like that. Fat graphics. Yes. I'm hopeful that the work we're doing and the work the community is doing as a whole will ensure the future of the Amiga. Now, 35 years later, I want to take you on a journey back to the birth of the home computer by following the Commodore story, discovering the origins and what led up to the Commodore 64 being the best ever selling computer in history. So there we have the trailer for the Commodore story, and you can tell that a lot of footage has been shopped there, uh, shot there rather, and they've been able to compile something that's probably a little bit more 
complete than their first campaign when they were, I think they were just looking for funding on that one. Uh, let's just step through it as, as we always do, turn down the volume a bit and see what we can learn. So we have the big questions, the big broad statements, studio logos. What we don't have here is uh, a pitch for the reason for the campaign to exist. It is really just the trailer. There's some nice graphic work. Uh, it asks the important question and it really sets the stage well for the hook for wanting uh, to get people excited about this. It was a, you know, a, a mil it sold a million units. You know, so what happened to it? Why did it just suddenly disappear? There's not a lot for me to comment on uh, in terms of the effectiveness of, of the trailer in the scope of Kickstarter. As a filmmaker, I have other thoughts, but this is not what it's about. Does this trailer do the job of getting me interested in wanting to check um, this this film out? So they have a sale to Netflix, it looks like. It's going to be on Amazon Prime Video, and it's going to be available on iTunes in 2018. So right away, you know it's going to be on Netflix. I don't know that that's a huge selling point if I have a Netflix subscription to want to pre-order it on Blu-ray DVD. So there better be some interesting... Uh, extras there that really get me excited because I'm so far only lukewarm on wanting to see the story because I do like uh, the computer industry and I have an interest in tech technological history, I suppose. I do like video games uh, and the evolution of that stuff. Some of these interviews aren't shot particularly well. It, again, as a filmmaker, I have issues with this. As a, as a marketing tool, I would like to know more about why this needs to be on Kickstarter and to really get me excited with a flashy piece, not, not just the trailer just kind of slapped up there from the film. I get that they're basically just trying to do a pre-order, like kind of a last-minute run for everybody that may have missed it before it goes onto these platforms. So let's see what else we can learn from their campaign as we go through here. So now due to popular demand, we are bringing you two new rewards. The Commodore Story is a, is a cram-packed uh, two-hour documentary film that takes us through Commodore's evolution from the 70s to the 90s uh, through all these different models and beyond. After a successful campaign that they funded on April 20th last year, we have been busy creating the Commodore Story documentary, interviewing a fantastic list of contributors. Here is a bunch of them. The Commodore Story documentary is now finished, uh, and we are currently completing the sister documentary, The Chiptune Story, and the book will be releasing the 23rd of February 2018. So... Again, Passive Voice, uh, Commodore Story is now finished. We have finished, or uh, we finished uh, the documentary. Again, just re rework this. And now they're talking about, they're doing the sister documentary, the Chiptune Story. So I'm confused why that's being mentioned here. Shouldn't we just talk about this one thing? Uh, don't tell us you're doing something else when you're still trying to push this, this specific one. Uh, here's the original campaign video. So we can talk about that in a second. Here is the campaign page. You know what, let's just jump over to that right now. Uh, it says you can pre-order it here. They raise 48,000 pounds, which is, you know, a pretty good chunk of money. Uh, they had 1,230 backers. You got some nice product shots on this original page. Let's go back to the, the one we're looking at. Uh, and then we'll dissect that a little bit as we compare maybe the rewards between the two. So new rewards, DVD release. Uh, the Commodore story on DVD, I guess. Bonus DVD included. The, the bonus chiptune stories included with interviews with many top game composers. So they're basically adding like a second disc by the sounds of it uh, if you order it now instead of before. Okay, so be it. Uh, and top trump cards as seen in the documentary. I haven't seen it, but I'm guessing it's these retro cards here. Talk a card, talk a card, any card, maybe take a card, any card. Not sure about that one. Commodore top trump cards. I have no idea what that is. With a name like Trump in there, uh, regardless of your political affiliation, I don't know that I'd be putting that in any kind of campaign right now. 
uh, in case it's inferred as the wrong thing and you really upset people that aren't Trump supporters. I wouldn't want to potentially alienate anyone. Um, so there you go. Hey, but hey, it may really enthuse people that are Trump supporters. So you might get a few extra bucks out of them if they think it's you know different. So here we go. <clears throat> the Blu-ray version of the documentaries. You get the Commodore story and the Chiptune story. They also have this hardback uh, Vesion will be shipped. I think it's supposed to be version, so there's a lot of typos already, which makes me think it's a little sloppy. Big thank you to all the backers we had so far. Without you, this project may have not happened. We hope you continue to enjoy the retro ride, Steve, and the Wavem Studios team. Risks and Reward, it's an established production studio that's listed on IMDb, which isn't really a lot. Uh, to say a lot, because anybody can kind of get listed there. And we have successfully funded and produced Kickstarter projects in the past, including a feature film now playing on Amazon Prime Video, Devoid. We'll be doing full production, editing, soundtrack, and sound mastering. So that's good. So they're not really saying that there is any risks and rewards at all. They're just touting their established studio. So let's take a look at these rewards here. Pledge $10, or £10, which is about 14 bucks. You get one pack of Trump cards. Okay, sure whatever uh 21 bucks uh, again there's no dollar pledge i'm always a big fan of having the one dollar pledge uh for 21 dollars, you get a digital download digital download films and ebooks so you get a digital download of the commodore story and the chiptune story pdf download of the commodore story book okay i'm always wary of, of campaigns that try to do too many things in, in the world of media and i'm guilty of that as well so for my campaign nintendo quest and maybe i'll, I'll break that down as a future kind of flip around the switch to show what I did well and what I didn't do well. Um, not only did I raise money for uh, printing, much like this campaign of the DVD and Blu-ray of the film for people that maybe had missed out on it, but I also uh, hit a stretch goal to make a video game that took forever and is still taking forever for us to complete and really get out there. So when I see that people are trying to do one movie, now two movies, and a book to package together, it feels like a lot. Uh, estimated delivery is March 2018. So what I like about that is it's really short because we're uh, recording this in uh, the end of January. So that's only a couple months away. So that's that's really good. Uh, pledge 22 pounds or more DVD and digital download films and ebook. So what is the difference here? So the, okay, you just get the DVD. So for an extra six bucks plus shipping, you get uh, basically a DVD plus. Uh, the download of the film. So you get a DVD disc of the Commodore story film, including the behind the scenes and extra footage, plus the chiptune story disc, digital download of both, uh, and the PDF. So this is actually an okay price because you are getting two documentaries. I don't know what the quality of this stuff is. For me, when it comes to documentary filmmaking, it's getting the content is first and, more, uh, first and foremost the most important thing. Content is king. Make sure you get it and that that's... That's what you need first and foremost. Make sure you get it and then worry about the best way to capture that kind of second. So for 22 pounds, about 31 bucks, it's a good deal. What you really have to be careful on Kickstarter though because the different currencies that are shown here. So this is actually what I'm paying, but when I first looked at this, I'm like, okay, 22 bucks for two uh, DVD discs. That's, that's really good. So the other thing I'm worried about is because this is in British sterling pounds, we're going to be shipping from probably the UK and if I just quickly select this reward, it's it's five extra pounds. So it's 38 bucks, so $40 almost for, for two of those. So I'm not convinced that that's the best one yet. Uh, 25 bucks here, or 25 pounds, $35, you get three top trump cards, okay. Blu-ray and all digital downloads for $35, which, 
you know, it's it's as if the shipping amount is like the same. Yeah, it's a, so we're talking a four dollar difference, and I'd get it on Blu-ray versus DVD. That's interesting. I think maybe a missed opportunity there. DVD hardback book and all downloads for thirty-seven. Uh, five packs top trump cards. I'm not sure what these are. Like, there's there's nothing explained in this story other than seeing the images of what this is and why I should care or why I would need five packs of them. Uh, Blu-ray hardback book and all downloads. So this is basically adding on a bunch of the variations and then trump cards, Blu-ray book downloads, 48 uh, pounds, 66. So let's count these rewards. I feel like there's too many already. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight nine ten so it's a it's definitely on the high side i would uh, probably get rid of ones that are just the trump card one except for the the single pack so get rid of this one and the the, the five pack and get rid of the three pack and just have it as an add-on or, or direct people to their site to figure it out you take those away you're down to eight you get a dollar one back here maybe people would just support it i get that this is like kind of a second run thing it's not as crucial you're only trying to raise uh, $4,200. I'm not sure why you're trying to raise that because you haven't said that anywhere. So I'm not super thrilled about that. Um, the rewards are okay though. They seem sort of affordable if the quality of the films are there. There's two films together. So uh, that's a good deal because most of the time you charge, you know, 25, 30 bucks for one kind of indie film on, on Kickstarter. So the fact that you get two on Blu-ray for 35 is, you know, a good deal, but it is coming on Netflix. So do I really want to pay for that? I have no idea what the bonus features are or anything. So maybe I'll just wait for Netflix since everybody seems to have, a, have one of those subscriptions. Let's take a look at the updates. Top secret private update backers only. So when I click on that, I can't find out anything. Let's look at the comments. Love the cards. Thanks for doing the campaign. Hi, Daniel. Yes, we needed to do the uh, we needed to do the campaign due to many people asking for the cards we created for the Commodore Story documentary. Cheers. Uh, do we get the screener download if we back this new Kickstarter? Very good question. The answer is yes. We will create a backer-only update tonight with a screener link for all backers. Okay, so that's probably the top secret one. So if I become a backer for a dollar, I might uh, I might be able to get that. And I'll see if I can exploit that Uh and, and pledge a dollar to become a backer to get access to that. Let's find out. So I want to look at the original campaign here. $10, you get a download of the film. So that's a good deal uh, and reasonable. I want to see where the chiptune story comes in here. Welcome to our this plus the chiptune story creating this. So that was always part of it. Doesn't look like it was added anytime soon. Just kind of looking through this, nostalgic look at the film. Stretch goals, unlocked every single backer we'll get. Inside story audiobook download, okay. Unlocked, so this is the extra film. Uh, unlocked, 35,000 pounds, the double Blu-ray extra documentary, the chiptune story. So they basically, it was a stretch goal, which is why they're now offering in the 150 pages. Here's their other film, Devoid, that is just showcasing that there for some reason, I'm not sure. So unlock 27,500 documentary now be shot in 4K with all downloads upgraded to 4K. So that's cool. Special features. So like the fact that I have to go here to find out about the special features when this is the live campaign, like they should have really just, even if they just repaste the, the, the stuff from the first one to talk about what's going on there, I think they, they could have saved me a lot of time and a lot of hunting. Now, Let's take a look at something here. This There's a pre-order button up here. And if I click that, I actually go to this website. I have it preloaded. 
and it has everything here. So the the Blu-ray, the discs, all this stuff. So digital download of the film, ten bucks, and I get both films. And there's 102 backers of this, so I can buy this right now. So if I go to the current live campaign, this is the current live campaign. So for ten bucks, I can't get the download of the films at all. That really bothers me. That if I do a little bit of hunting, that I can get the films for cheaper than you're offering. And I understand that you're uh, adding the ebook here for five for five extra pounds. Um, but maybe I just want the films as a digital download, and you're not offering. Instead, you're offering this. At least make it a second option uh, for that to happen. So, not I, I, if I'm going to do anything, I'm probably just going to do this. So you would lose money, and you'd lose me as a backer, which would help you get to your goal. Digital download of the ebook, ten bucks. So they're basically saying if you want them separately, it's twenty bucks, and maybe if you do them together, it's you know fifteen here. So save save some money. Uh, this is at least in line fifteen download of the of the films and the ebook, so that's good. Blu-ray and digital download of the film, Blu-ray disc of the Commodore film and the Chiptune story Blu-ray, including behind the scenes and extra footage and downloads of them for twenty five pounds. Okay, so. I'm not sure that this is on point. This one might be a big kind of gotcha where they mess up. So 25 pounds for the Blu-ray versions of both films and the downloads. Let's go over here. Where is that Blu-ray level? Where is that Blu-ray level? Okay, they are at 25 pounds here. I was worried they were at 35 or something like that, but I think I was just messing up the different currency here. So that, they passed the test there. Okay, printed book and ebook. So they definitely have some more options here that aren't, on the other site, digital download of the film with a t-shirt, t-shirt two. Okay, so this isn't as suspicious as I may have thought. The, the biggest thing I think they're guilty of, despite having a ton of buying options without really seeing any visuals on this website that looks as archaic as the Commodore is, or all the visuals are up top, they should pair them next to the rewards so people can see them. The only thing I think they're really guilty of is not offering this $10 digital download of the film uh, up here for both films that that's I think that's what they should do it's 13 bucks uh, I don't know what they're losing on that they should make that a priority let's take a look let's go back to the campaign here for a second let's take a look at uh, kick track so here we are like I said about 80% of the goal they're trending towards 15 5 let's see if we have enough information to really show us where we are. this is the funding curve it's pretty natural and that's great jump over the daily data they don't have any tags I should have mentioned uh, and they only had one update, but they didn't have any press. So on day one, it looks like they did uh, 878 or 678, and then yeah, 878, and then uh, 657, and then 320. And in terms of backers, 34, 26, 12. It's a low day here, so that's probably a weekend. Now, it's pretty early on in this campaign to see where they might um, uh, sit at the end. Uh, let's look at the projection. On the, on the low end, they're at 10.4. On the high end, they're at 22. And these are in British sterling pounds, of course. I, I think it's probably going to go towards the low end, mainly because there's no reason for me to support this campaign because of their their website that they have to, to pre-order. I do like that they have this here. You can message Steve uh, and get any questions you want. But I don't know why this campaign exists. That's my biggest problem with this. You know, Kickstarter is not a storefront. And a no, other than bringing two new rewards to you, I don't understand why this campaign needs to exist. So these two new rewards um, are, is basically the, the DVD release uh, and the bonus DVD release in the, in the Trump card film. So did they not have a DVD release over here? Digital, digital, digital. 
cassette t-shirt. There's a Blu-ray. Okay, so they didn't have a DVD. They just had digital stuff. So I guess, so they're bringing the trump cards and and the DVDs. But like, what's the point of having the campaign if you're just going to offer them over here, right? Or are they? And if they're not, why are they not offering them on their page? Yeah, so I don't see the trump cards or the DVDs. They're just, just the Blu-ray. So I'm really confused just about the marketing of that. Okay, so... The campaign is justified because now you have a DVD option instead of a Blu-ray. Okay, so maybe not everybody has a Blu-ray player or wants the Blu-ray version. Sure, I'll, I guess I'll get it and the, the trump cards as well. But I don't feel that just those two things, one, a different version of the film, uh, justifies another campaign. That's like saying, now I'm going to offer the film in 720p, uh, and instead of, even though I originally offered it in 1080 or 4k because it's, you know, because now I can, because people asked for it. I don't think it really justifies that. And I have a hard time like getting behind this campaign. Uh, I don't know anything about these cards, so I can't tell you if it's worthwhile. Ultimately, both of these things can be on this website. I don't know why they're not listed here other than to make this campaign exist. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't love it. And I think the biggest thing is this this campaign, as we saw, I'll see if I can scratch to the end here, is going to be on Netflix and Amazon. And I'm a subscriber to both of those, which means if I was just going to be a digital download backer, which is kind of where I'm at right now, whether I get them from here with the ebook, which I'm not really interested in reading, or I pledge 10 bucks here, I, I can just watch these for something that I'm already paying for per month. So having this here, while it touts the maybe size of your campaign or, or, or not campaign of your film, like the success story of it, I don't think it helps my buying decision because I'll just wait. I can wait for this film. I'm not that excited. Now, there, I'm sure there are other people that are super huge fans. And like I said, I like technological history, but I can wait for this. So... Uh, whether I like it or not doesn't make it backed or busted. That's a personal preference, and sometimes that'll sway me over, over the fence one side or the other. But the biggest thing is I don't know why this campaign exists. Uh, when we're talking about Blu-rays here, that shouldn't be in it if we're just pushing the DVD and the trump cards. Having the two different, uh, the new format and the extra prop from the film, so to speak, as a reason for doing it, I, I can't get behind. I officially have to declare this campaign busted. I just don't see enough reason for it to exist. I'm glad there's 87 backers who missed it and they're super fun uh, or super excited about the fun that the documentary might be for them. I'm, I think it's really cool that there you get two films in one. Um, I'm just not convinced right now that this is for me or this campaign needs to exist. And when you're doing a crowdfunding uh, campaign, you really want to make sure it's something that's worthwhile that kind of fills a need or want it or is something that's cool. If this was pitched to me in terms of consulting, I'd say, no, you shouldn't do it. I don't think... Uh, I don't think it makes sense. I think there's better ways to handle the marketing of these two things, even though you know Kickstarter is uh, always a good way to get some attention in a universal platform like a storefront uh, for a 30-day storefront. But I just don't, I, I don't think it's a good idea, and uh, I just don't, I don't like the spirit of it. That's what it comes down to because they they've raised 80% of their goal. They're probably going to hit it. I don't know why they wouldn't, but I don't like the spirit of it. And there are campaigns I know like this that get reported. I have no interest in reporting this, but I don't like the spirit of what they're trying to do here. I, I don't think it's it's places on Kickstarter for people that are trying to do all or nothing kind of projects. Um, 
So yeah, that's how I feel. It's it's busted, like I said. Hey guys, I'm back and I just wanted to take a look at one thing that I said I would do and as I was editing the video, I realized I missed it. So I wanted to go back and see if it was possible. We, uh, we looked at the comments here. Uh, and it said, uh, very good question. The answer is yes. We will create a backer-only update tonight with the screener link for all backers. Do we get the screener download if this is if we back this new Kickstarter? Okay, so that's super interesting. So I thought, if I become a backer, am I going to get access to a screener of the film already? And as you can see up here, I'm a backer. I pledged uh, one pound, which is the bare minimum that you can do, which is a dollar forty-two. And if I go over to the updates, remember it said top secret private update, backers only. So if I click that. I'm taken to the update. It's for backers only. Hi to all you wonderful Commodore and Amiga backers. As promised, here's your chance to watch the screener we did just before Christmas. Again, many fixes and changes have been put into the final version. We are currently working on the chiptune story and changes to the book. Here is a, quote, top secret private update. Private link to the Commodore uh, screener pre-final release. So this is something that they uh, screened in at, the, at this festival or this theater. And here's a link to it. So I have a link to the film for a dollar. Now, it's not the final film, but they're still giving this away and some behind-the-scenes stuff that took place. Private link to the UK premiere behind-the-scenes. This is right here. So for $1.42, I have access to the film right now. I don't have to wait until, what's the campaign say, for digital download of the film, March. I can just go to the updates. It's not going to be the final version, but for $1.42... I can watch a version of the film right now. So I'm going to let's, let's click on it and see what happens. So here we go. It's right here. It takes me right to a link so I can check it out. I can hit play and watch it. Uh, usually I don't like the bus campaigns that do this kind of stuff, but I think it's a really important lesson to learn that you don't, you don't do that kind of thing. You don't give away your product for free. I know it's going to be on Netflix and some people think that's free. And maybe um, because this default manager or this default make a pledge without supporting anything was at 10 pounds, they thought anybody would, that would do it would, you know, pledge for money. But I just kind of got around their big thing. And maybe they're like, well, this isn't the final film, so it doesn't matter. But that's a big mistake that I think these guys made that they should correct in a hurry in a massive, massive hurry. They'd be better off to do uh, unique screeners or just not do that at all, or at least do it at the end of the campaign. We'll make a private uh, link available at, at the end of 36 days, which would take us into March uh, from where we are recording. So just a little bit extra uh, digging that I did there. So if you want a copy of the Commodore story, now you know how to get it. Sorry, guys, you guys did it to yourself, and I apologize um, but I don't want anybody else to make the mistake that you did. So thanks for showing us what not to do, but I do hope you success. If you guys hit your goal, that's great too. Uh, and maybe make some more documentaries on, uh, the, the technological history of our world, but do a little bit better job of crowdfunding why your campaign exists and, uh, what you can do differently. Better. If you have a project that you want me to take a look at, like we saw today with the Commodore story, which was sent my way. Hit me up at crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash backed or busted crowdfunding, or of course on Twitter at Rob McZob. I'd be happy to take a look at those projects for you, make them an episode, or help you with your project and make it truly amazing. Listen to the guy who's broken down a ton of campaigns and will continue to going forward in the future. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time.